How many of you would say that um, you could still get closer to God? <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. I, I like the I like that show of hands. That says there's always more. Amen. Would you? Uh, I would invite you to open your Bibles with me this morning to Isaiah chapter 40. Familiar scripture to many people. Isaiah chapter 40. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives big on the inside of us, who is our teacher. We do not rely on our own minds. We do not rely on our own thoughts. But, Father, we do thank you that you said that we do have the mind of Christ. And so we thank you, Lord, for your thoughts today. We thank you for helping us uh, make your word plain and clear so that we can walk in it, so that we can be doers of it, so that we're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers of it, so that we'll be blessed in our deed. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It can divide between the joints and the marrow and the thoughts and the intents of the heart today. So we thank you for your word splitting things today. Hallelujah. Making things precise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, just about every hand went up, I I think, when we said, how many of you believe you could even be closer to the Lord or have a closer experience with God? And uh, I, I wonder sometimes what we think that really looks like. What do we think that looks like? Because there are people um, who have really different ideas of, you know, what we call spirituality. Isn't that right? Even people in the world say they're spiritual. Have you noticed, you know, they'll say, well, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And that that means don't talk to me anymore. (laughs) That means don't talk to me about it anymore. I've got my own deal worked out with God. I got my own plan worked out with whoever God is. And they kind of think, well, you know, I've got my own every my own, my own. Right. Well, my own is a good thing when you when it when it refers to my own relationship with God through Jesus, <laughs> because we ought to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Amen. Jesus himself said, and we're, we're basing everything on his word. Amen. Not just our ideas, but on his word. Jesus said, I am the way. Nobody can come to the father except by me. People say, well, that's a narrow view. Yes, it is. Amen? But narrow is correct. (laughs) Amen? God is huge, but the way to him is certain, and it's Jesus. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so um, people say, well, I've got my own thing. I've got my own way. But just because you think a thing, right, doesn't mean it is right. We all have, people say, I have a right to my own beliefs. Absolutely, you have a right to believe anything you want. You can believe anything. But just because you have a right to believe it doesn't mean when you believe it, it's right. (laughs) You know? So, the only thing we know that is right is truth. Truth. And Jesus said in John chapter 17, my word, thy word is truth. And so we can always go back to what did God say? What did God say about it? There are ways that God moves. Amen. There are ways that he connects with his people. And so if we're going to get results that we know he is able to provide, right? He, the Bible says in Ephesians, we, we read a portion, or quoted a portion of it earlier, but Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think, right? But it didn't stop there. It says, according to the power that works in us. So he is able to do it, but it's according to or limited to the power that's working in us. So in everything God does, there is a God part and a man part. Because everything he is about is relationship. 
He's not just up in heaven pulling strings, right? And he's not just up in heaven pushing buttons and making us do things. He is doing things as a relationship in cooperation with people. And so we must, in all our efforts with him, be in cooperation with him. Not just independently decide, this is how I'm going to live my life. God, I hope you bless it. Or think that God just, everything that happens in my life, God has ordained or God has ordered. Because that's not the case either. He works with us. Amen? And so everything, he's all about relationship. So if we're going to get God's kind of results, the things that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, we've, we've got to do it. Uh, uh, according to the power that works in us. So what is that power that works in us? In the previous verses, he said, when you know the love of God, that passes understanding. You know the length, the breadth, the height, the depth of the love of God. Then you'll be filled with all the fullness of God. Then he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Because now we're filled with the fullness of God. We know him. And when we know him, then he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. In our conversation last evening with your pastors, we, we, we uh, were all in awe of what God's, you know, just putting together here in this weekend. And we kind of kept saying, we don't know each other. <laughs> you know, not as far as, you know, fellowship over years and years and years, maybe know a name, but really don't know the person, don't know the character behind the person. And so though we all want to say, yeah, God's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, if we don't really know him, we can say he's able, but he'll be limited to how much he can really do in our lives without that personal connection. And so just coming to church doesn't give us that personal connection. It's an avenue. It's a beginning point. Amen. But it is not a substitute for a personal connection. Amen. We, we passed a lot of churches on our way here today. Parking lots full. But that is not really a substitute for a personal connection with God himself. Every individual, right? Every individual has to make those decisions really on a moment by moment basis. How invested are you in the relationship? There are some people in our lives, you know, and you probably have the same thing. Some people that you talk to just constantly, right? And you just, you know, I, 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 li- I love talking with them. Every time we have conversation, it's good and it's encouraging. And we just enjoy each other and have a lot of laughs and got the inside jokes, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Other people maybe you don't talk to a, 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 quite on a consistent basis. You're just not as close. So just because we're a Christian... <laughs> Just because we're Christians, listen, doesn't mean we're good at it. Isn't that the truth? We'll get to Isaiah 40 here in just a second. I uh, I, I enjoy watching HGTV. Any other ladies in here? Maybe men do too. Let's see. Oh, I am in the right building today. I can tell. I love watching HGTV. I love watching all the befores and afters and the home improvements. And, and I can just watch that stuff all day long. And uh, I get so inspired by it. And so now, because of HGTV, I now know how to tile, <laughs> drywall, wallpaper, you know, frame a house. I can put in a window. I could put on an addition, you know. I can, uh, all this stuff that I know how to do because I've seen it done over and over again with many instructions. But I'm fairly certain if I ever actually did it, (laughs) it wouldn't be pretty. At least not the first few times, right? Because it takes doing to get good at anything. Knowledge doesn't make you good at anything. Skill has to be developed in the doing. Knowledge helps and it, and it encourages and you can keep your, you know, your skills up by learning new things and reading things and all that kind of stuff. But until you do it, you don't know if you're any good at it. 
I don't know why then in some reason we have thought just because we accepted Jesus as our Lord, all of a sudden we're good Christians. And I don't mean from a standpoint of sin or not sin when I say good Christian. I don't mean you're a good Christian if you don't sin. And you're a bad Christian if you do sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying there are a lot of people who are wonderful people, live a great life, but are still bad Christians. Meaning they're not invested in their personal relationship with God. They get no fruit, no results. Still living like the world as far as God providing for their needs or their health or all these other things. They're just, I would call them, you know, my personal opinion, I would call them nominal Christians. Fully saved, going to heaven. But not experiencing the life that Jesus said we are to have and experience. So just because we're Christians doesn't mean we're good at it. We still have to find out what he said, how to do things, and then do them that way. And so, like I said, if I actually tiled a floor, I I probably could get it done, but it wouldn't be pretty the first few times. Because it takes practice to develop skill. The same thing is true with our relationship with God. It takes practice to get good at it. Some people, even after years of being saved, are uncomfortable in the presence of God. They, they still feel kind of stiff and formal and I don't know really what to do. And I'm just kind of, you know. But you're getting ready to get into a series about the flow of the Holy Spirit. And we ought to be so comfortable in his presence. Amen. That even while we're reverent, he's still like an old friend. We honor and reverence him, but at the same time, we're so comfortable with him that anything he could say or do or prompt, and we are comfortable in his presence without anxiety or without self-consciousness, right? Praise the Lord. So look here in Isaiah chapter 40. <laughs> Gave you plenty of time to find Isaiah 40. <clears throat> Verse 29. Well, let's start with Verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. That ought to be good news. Amen. I said that ought to be good news. He gives power to the weak. There is no reason to remain weak. Amen? It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. Let's keep on reading. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So it's not an age issue. Amen? Strength. And vitality is not an age issue. It's a relationship with God issue. (laughs) Because he gives power to the faint. He does. Didn't say church does. Says he does. Church is where we come to meet with him together. Church is important. But church doesn't meet your needs. God does. Amen? Church is the place where we're equipped and we're trained and we're strengthened and we're built up. But it is not the place of Him. Amen? Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's the kind of life I want for the rest of my life. Amen? So that's the kind of life I want for the rest of my life. I want to be able to run and not be weary, walk and not faint. I don't want to buy into this whole thing of, well, you know, can't do what I used to do. I mean, I know there's certain things like, you know, 
Maybe sports are a little different for older folks than younger folks, you know. I mean, we've all watched America's Funniest Videos, right? We look on that and we go, oh, please, ma'am, don't do that. Don't get on the trampoline. Don't do it, right? Don't get on that scooter. Don't get, don't get on that skateboard. And we look at them because they think, hey, I can do anything I used to do. And we're, no, don't do it. But when it comes to the inner man on the inside, amen, don't let your inner man get old. (laughs) Amen. The body is decaying, the Bible says, but the inner man is renewed day by day. Too many people get a mentality that because their physical body has changed, their spirit is getting old. Not true. I said not true. He gives power, power to the faint. Amen. He does. But notice he said they will renew their strength. Now, I know this is a familiar verse to a lot of people. And you're like, what could God do so spectacularly for you to come and preach Isaiah 40 to us? (laughs) What does that have to do with anything? But this uh, verse, though familiar, doesn't give you strength because you know it or because you can quote it. You can have an eagle on your coffee table. It will not make you mount up with wings as eagles. (laughs) This verse in this portion of Scripture is one of those things that's conditional. Those that actually wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Those that actually do something with their relationship will renew their strength. Amen. And that word renew, I love, I love, because if you look it up in a concordance, I'm no scholar, but you can look it up in a concordance. I love words. That word renew literally means exchange. Everyone say exchange. So that makes it a little different. They that wait upon the Lord will exchange their strength. Exchange their strength. With whom? (laughs) We wait on the Lord and we exchange our strength, though we give him ours and he gives us his. So it doesn't just mean, you, you know, you can make it one more day. It means you actually get what he has. Amen. But that word exchange also means you give him something. It's not just that, you know, because if you get something, uh, you're going to exchange something at the store. You know, Christmas is coming up. Maybe you had a birthday and somebody gave you something and you wanted to exchange it. So you take it to the store, right? And you go, I didn't like what I got. Give me something else. And they say, well, give me what you had first. <laughs> no, I just didn't like that gift. I, I, I didn't even bring it. You know, I just, I'm just not happy with it. So I, I came here for something else. You're not going to get very far, are you, unless you put up more money. But an exchange means you bring them what you didn't want. You bring them something. They, in turn, give you something better, something more suited, right, or of your choice. So first you bring them something. Too many times we come to church and we just want God to do everything, right? Why? I'm coming to church because I need help. Yeah, we need help. We need help. We need him. Without him, we are nothing. Jesus said in John chapter 15, without me, you can do not even some things. Not even some things without him. Without him, we can do nothing but with him, praise God, we can do All things through Christ who gives us, right, gives us his strength. So we all say we'd like to be closer to God, but what are we willing to invest in that? Or do we just want him to get closer to us? 
We're to draw nigh unto him, and he will draw nigh unto us. When Moses had his first encounter with God, you know, that, that bush was burning there. He was up on the mountain, and, and he noticed that there was a bush on fire, but it wasn't burning up. And so he said, I'm going to turn and investigate this thing. I'm going to see what's happening. And it wasn't until he turned that God then spoke to him. I wonder how long God would have waited. I believe forever. If Moses hadn't turned. Here's something majorly spectacular happening. But if Moses had not said, huh, wonder what's going on. God wouldn't have spoken. He waits for us to make the next move. He initiates. We move. He moves. We move. He moves. That's relationship. Amen. That's relationship. Look, if you would, to Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. I like hearing pages turn. Mark chapter 3, verse 7. Because as the Bible tells us we are to wait on the Lord, how do we really do that? Because it's one thing to just say it and quote it and sound poetic and sound pretty and all of that. And we can all quote those kind of verses. But what does it mean to really do it? To wait on the Lord. Because if we don't know how to do it, you know, we're not, we're not going to get any good at it, right? We're just going to know we're supposed to do something. How? Do, how? I don't know. Okay, well, let's maybe um, we just come to church. Are we waiting on God? Maybe, maybe not. Some people might be. Some people might not be. What's it mean to wait on the Lord? Does it mean to just, like, wait for a bus? That word wait also means expect. Expect. When you're expecting something, you prepare for it. Isn't that right? If you're expecting someone to come to dinner, you prepare. Isn't that right? You make a meal or, or you've cleaned your house a little extra or, you know, you've, you've done something because you're expecting an arrival. You're expecting someone to come. Uh, we've probably all also been caught by surprise. Anybody besides me? You were unprepared. <laughs> you were not expecting, right? And that's just a little more, that's a little uncomfortable sometimes. If somebody comes unexpectedly, you're like, oh, nice of you to drop by. <laughs> we actually, when we were um, uh, just only married a couple of years and, and, um, uh, Kevin and I, we moved into a new house in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and we were working with, for the Hagen Ministries, and the Hagens stopped by our house unannounced. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for that. Because <clears throat> that's pretty much the way it felt. <laughs> we were not ready. And uh, they had not seen our new home yet. And, I mean, it was just a long story short, uh, we, were, we were like, <sighs> when they left. Because we were not expecting them. And we're like, oh, nice of you to come by. <laughs> On the other hand, when you do expect them to come, you know, you're doing all kinds of things to get ready. Like, I, I just, I want to make it right. I'm preparing because I'm expecting. So they that wait upon the Lord, they that are expecting something from God, you're preparing. You're preparing your heart, Right? It's not just, well, whatever happened, maybe something will happen, maybe not. No, you're, you're like, are they here yet? Are they here yet? Right? You're looking out the door. Uh, did I hear a car? Did I, did I, are they here yet? And maybe you remember when you were a kid looking out the window, are they here yet? Are they here yet? And that's the kind of anticipation we need to keep stirred up about God. Anticipation, not just, well, if something happens, that's great. Nothing happens. Because eh. he's always wanting a relationship. We are always to leave changed. Amen. So how do we wait on the Lord? How do we expect the Lord? Look here in Mark chapter 3. 
verse 7. But Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him. Everybody say they followed him. And from Judea, from Jerusalem, Idumea, beyond the Jordan, and those from Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they heard how many things he was doing, came to him. Say they came to him. So he told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, lest they should crush him. Say they crushed him. (laughs) For he healed many, so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him. Say they pressed. They pressed about him to touch him. Say they touched him. Notice this. They followed him, came to him, crushed him, pressed on him to touch him. Who's doing all the action here? The people are, aren't they? You know that Jesus and his ministry didn't just go from house to house, knocking on doors, asking how everybody's doing. Anybody sick here? Anybody going, any, anybody going through something here? In the ministry of Jesus, you will find people followed him. People wanted to touch him. Multitudes wanted to touch him. People came. Individuals came. They came to him. Didn't they? Why? They believed he had what they needed, number one. They knew they couldn't get it in their own strength or their own ability. Whatever answers they needed, they knew he had them. Well, I think we all acknowledge, yeah, God's got my answer. But at the same time, I wonder, do we think, well, but I can handle it. (laughs) I can tough this out. I can make this work. I got enough knowledge. I know the word. And sometimes we rely even on our own knowledge of the word. And then we rely on our own ability to believe. Come on, anybody. And sometimes we really even leave him out of the equation. God, I got this. I'm good. Strong. Well, I'm thankful for the word that it does. Amen. It strengthens us. I'm thankful for the message of faith. It gives us personal responsibility. We can approach him. I mean, we can approach him confidently, can't we? Because we know his word. And so that confidence doesn't come because we're confident in ourselves. That confidence comes because we know he's faithful that when we come to him, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we have what we have desired. That confidence comes when you know the the faithfulness and the integrity of God's word. That confidence doesn't come in your own ability to make something happen. Right? We leave Jesus out <laughs> of the equation. We're, we're no more than just smart people. And he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think. Isn't that right? So now we've got to touch him, don't we? Not just know who he is, but then come where he is and touch him. Make a connection with him. Not just know what he's able to do. You can know what he's able to do from, uh, you know, 10 miles away and never actually make contact with him. Look at Luke chapter 5, if you would. Luke chapter 5. Verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day he was teaching, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by. Everybody say sitting by. What was other people were doing? They were following. They came. They crushed. They pressed. They touched. These guys are sitting. Now he's there. Jesus is there. They're just sitting by. (laughs) Sitting by. Who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem. So they came from all kinds of places, but they were just sitting. Just sitting by. And the power, the power, the power, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So, you know, there's a bunch of people. There are needs. 
Amen. There are needs in any group of people when they come together. There are needs. And all these people, intelligent people, Pharisees, doctors of the law, they came from all kinds of, we're going to hear this teaching. Sitting by. And the power of God was available to heal them. That's good news. Amen. The power was present to heal them. So they must have all gotten healed. But if we look further, none, none of them, none of them got healed. Well, God just didn't feel like it that day. No, that's not true. The power was present to heal them, but nobody was making a connection with him. So it's not just that we come together. But when we come together, Jesus himself said, when you come together, two or three of you come together in my name, I'm there. What are you going to do about it? (laughs) In other words, I'm there. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond to my presence? The power of God was present to heal these people. My heart, even now, a couple thousand years later, goes out to the people who needed something and didn't get it. But it's not because God withheld anything. It's not because God uh, chose not to do something. He just, he can't do it until we connect. People say, well, I got my own way. No, you don't. (laughs) You got his way or you got nothing. We say, oh, I, I, I tile this way. I put, the, I, I put the tile down and then I paste it. That's how I like to do it. Well, it's not going to work. Yeah, but that's how I believe it should be done. It's okay. It'll be ugly and it won't stick. And you can't complain then, can you? If you didn't do it right. But we want to complain about our lives, and we want to sometimes, you know, kind of get, sometimes people, sometimes people even, would you believe this? Sometimes people get upset with the pastor. Because their life's not turning out the way they thought. And they say, but pastor, you said. Yeah, but are you doing Or are you just listening? Aren't you glad the Durants came today? Oh, praise the Lord. We're now your favorite traveling minister. Isn't that right? (laughs) You come one time and you're telling us this kind of stuff. No, we want to help you get to the next place in God. Amen. We want to help you make a connection with God. Praise the Lord that you can have his ultimate Ultimate strength and peace and fruit in your life. We can all get in habits. We can all get in habits of just kind of going through the motions in any area, any area of our life. Not just spiritual. But it amazes me how many things we we recognize it in other areas. But when it comes to spirituality, we think things just happen automatically and they don't. We still do things on purpose with God. Why? Because we have purpose in our relationship. Amen. So none of these people got healed. But one person did come to make a connection. His four friends brought him. He was paralyzed, couldn't do anything for himself. His four friends brought him. They couldn't even get in the door because of the, 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 all the people that were present, the, that God's power was present to heal. So they, you know, they went up on the roof, tore open the roof, came down, and Jesus saw something different. It's not just because he saw the roof being torn down. He saw determination, Right? He saw purpose. He saw somebody who came with some intent. The Bible says he saw their faith. 
Faith can be seen by God. It can't always be seen by people, but it can always be seen by God. Because our, our connection with God is heart to heart. If you would, go with me to John's Gospel, the fourth chapter. <clears throat> John chapter 4. We're talking about this connection with God. Because just like there in Luke 5, I know there are needs in here. Represented here today. Amen? Because wherever there's people, there's needs. And we have seen God meet needs in such amazing ways. Here, especially recently, just seen some tremendous, tremendous miracles. God's been moving. Wonderful, wonderful. Because we're connecting with him. Amen? We're connecting with him. And in this evening service, it'll be a little different. This morning we're teaching a little bit more. But this evening, God's really going to demonstrate some things. Praise God. And so uh, don't miss a 6 o'clock service tonight. You you came here because this is normal. This morning. Amen. But if you'd like some abnormal things, (laughs) some above normal things, then do something that's different than normal. And let's come tonight, amen? And and we'll be coming expecting, right? Because it's like, hey, I don't usually come on Sunday night, so let's come for something that's different. Amen? God's going to be manifesting in in a different way this evening and demonstrating in a different way this evening. Praise God. And probably the real purpose that we came even is for tonight's service. Hallelujah. But God's setting you up. Is that all right? Because we've already said, how many of you would like to have a closer relationship with him and a closer connection with him? And we say that, everybody raises their hands, and then we see if that's true on Sunday night. Amen? And I'm not trying to bully anybody into coming to a second service. I'm saying, how much do you really want what God has? Because those are the times that we we locate ourselves and we demonstrate, I really do need something from God that I can't do myself. Amen? Anybody can come on a Sunday morning. It hardly takes effort for most of us. You know, I mean, I know sometimes it does a little more than others, of course. But at the same time, it's something we're used to. It's something we're accustomed to. We come and we don't always expect something to happen. But you call a special meeting? We're coming back? At night? Two times in one day? What could God do that you maybe weren't expecting when you came in this service? Praise God. I will tell you that things are happening and God's moving. We just got a testimony the other night. Uh, Friday evening got a testimony from a young lady we laid hands on two weeks ago who uh, was diagnosed with colorectal cancer. And it already spread to her small intestine. And they were getting ready to do another surgery. And so they've been doing tests and And uh, she came and she said, hands were laid on me two weeks ago. She said, I went back and I went back to the doctor and my cancer markers had gone all the way down to just above one. They were way up at 13 something and they'd already gone all all the way down to one and we're going to be at zero at any moment. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's good news, isn't it? Amen. Another woman had rheumatoid arthritis. And was, uh, had very low energy and, and all as a result and, and, uh, was, had difficulty moving around. She had hands laid on her. The next day she went to, to work and all her coworkers were looking at her like, what is up with you? She had all this energy and all this strength and she was moving fine. She goes, I was at a healing service last night. Praise God. And she's still testifying. Another lady had uh, fibroid tumors that the doctors wanted to do, uh, do a hysterectomy. She said, I don't want a hysterectomy. But she had so many uh, fibroid tumors. She said even if she had just touched her, her abdomen, she could feel them. That's how, how big they were and uh, pronounced they were. She said, I could, I could press on them and feel them. We laid hands on her. She said she didn't feel anything at the moment, but two days later she was in her car and the Lord said to her, "Um, uh, I'm using my sword on you, he said. And she pressed on her abdomen and couldn't find the tumors. Praise God. Amen. That's our God. Hallelujah. I said, that's our God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Another man had um, uh, 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 
some sort of heart condition where he had irregular heartbeats, you know. And he would constantly take his pulse because he could feel it, you know. And, and so uh, we ministered to him. And in the service, he started to take in his pulse during the service. And he said it just regulated. Praise God. He felt so calm. Praise Lord. Just like that. Hallelujah. Had some other folks just last Sunday that we ministered to them that they had, you know, like those floaters in their eyes, you know, seeing spots. And one lady said, I, I, I would look out and see like a yellow ring and a black dot every time I opened my eyes and looked. And we ministered to her and she looked out. And she was like, I don't see it. I don't see it. She was all excited. Praise God. Another lady, we were telling the pastors that um, she came up and, and um, her she said she was just kind of standing there like this. And I said, what's going on? She said. Uh, she said, well, my, I'm, I'm so crooked. She said, look at me. I mean, you could tell she, you could look at her and it was crooked. And she said, things are so off that she said, and I'm in so much pain. And it's been this way for quite some time. We laid our hands on her. We said, now move your neck. She moved her neck so fast. And all of a sudden her eyes got real big. She went, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, and she just kept covering her face. And she was, oh my God. And then she was moving again. And she goes, am I straight? Am I straight? Look at, she's, and she was just all over the place. And she's like, glory to God. Amen. But it doesn't come just because we're sitting in the building. <laughs> Amen. So how do we touch him? John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Jesus stopped in Samaria at a well. Many of you are probably familiar with this event and the ministry of Jesus. He stops by a well. The, the disciples had gone into town to buy food. And Jesus said, I'm going to stay here. And he sat down and a woman came, a Samaritan woman came. To draw water. And he said to her, give me something to drink. And she said, are, are you, uh, wait, you're talking to me? I'm a Samaritan woman. You're a Jewish man. Uh, this is strange. You usually don't talk to us. Right? And look what Jesus said in verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, look very carefully. If you knew the gift of God. And who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Remember we said in Isaiah the 40th chapter that we're to exchange our strength. We bring him something and he gives us something. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Give me something. You've got a bucket there. You've got you're drawing water. Can you give me a drink? And she says, wait, you're talking to me? He says, if you knew who you were talking to, you would then ask me for something. You would ask me for something. I wonder sometimes when we come together, when we have this opportunity to give him our strength and receive his strength, I wonder, do we come to give him anything? Or are we just coming? We think, well, I'm here. That's enough. Or do we really come to bring him something? And then do we realize when we are bringing him something, who we're talking to? And if we're really talking to him, then we realize he's got something for us. Are we making our connection? Are we making our exchange point on purpose? Or are we just thinking, well, maybe something will happen, maybe not. The word will be good. word's always good. But are you experiencing the one who is bringing you the word? We need to experience him. We've been told so many times, and I'm, I, I'll be the first one to say it, we don't walk by feelings. Feelings do not dictate where we are with the Lord. Amen. Or what's a, we, feelings do not, because we could be up or down emotionally. But that's different than experiencing him. It's not a feeling, but it is an experience. Amen. And so he said, uh, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that speaks to you, you would have asked me for something. So when is our opportunity to give and receive? 
from God? What's one of our main opportunities to give and receive from God? Look what he goes on to say. Because she, she goes on and says, sir, uh, how can you give me anything? Because he said, you'd ask me for living water and then you would never thirst. And she goes, you don't even have a bucket. <laughs> and uh, so he says, well, go call your husband. Let's talk about this. Uh, go get him and, and, and we'll do this right. You and your husband both. It won't just be a man and a woman sitting here, but you both, you know, and give her the benefit of a doubt. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. He says, I understand. I know. He said, as a matter of fact, you've had five, and the one you're with now is not your husband. And all of a sudden, she says, oh, this is different. You're a prophet. Well, now she has a question. Now she realizes, wait a second, this man knows things, and I have questions. And her question was, verse 20, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. So what's her question? How do I connect with God? I perceive you're a prophet. Tell me, how can I connect with God? How can I worship God? See, that really is the question on all of our hearts. We know we need what he has. How do we get there? How can we make a connection? Remember, he has ways of doing things. And just because we're Christians doesn't mean we're good at it. We want to connect with him. Everybody has a heart to want a greater relationship. So what's his way of doing it? And then we do that. Amen? So Jesus said, there's coming a time when you're not going to do it here or in Jerusalem. In other words, it's not about a place you go. What is it about now? Verse 23, but the hour is coming and now is, everybody say now is. Now is when the true worshipers, notice he used the words true worshipers. So if there are true worshipers, there must be worshipers who aren't true worshipers. Isn't that right? Otherwise, he just would have said, when the worshipers. But he said true worshipers. When the true worshipers, here's what true worshipers look like. Will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. So he's looking for people who will do it his way. Isn't he? He's looking for people, because obviously he says there are people who won't do it his way. Will have their own way and call it spiritual. (laughs) Right? It's kind of like the world, the world, they don't mind that we pray, but it freaks them out if we say God talks back. Isn't that right? Wait, I pray. Yeah, but God talks back. What? He talks to you? What? Yeah, that inner witness. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. If we know his voice, that means he's speaking and we're listening. Amen. Amen. And we can expect to hear him. Praise the Lord. Not out here, in here. That inner witness, that's the the primary way talks to all of us. Amen. So, the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Verse 24, God is spirit. He is spirit. And those who worship him must. Notice that word, not should, not ought to, but must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. The good news is, if you're born again, you are already a spirit that can worship him. Amen. It's not a trick question that he said everybody's got to worship in spirit and truth. If you're born again, you're already qualified. You're a spirit. Amen. You're a new created spirit. You have fellowship with God. Amen. We've been redeemed back into fellowship with God. You're not on the outside. You're on the inside. Amen. So it's not hard. Praise God. Matter of fact, it's easier than you think. Easier than you think. 
So he said that God is spirit and he's looking for, he's seeking those that will worship him. They that worship must worship. Notice he's looking for worship. He's not just looking for a body. He's not looking for attendance. He's looking for worship. Amen? (coughs) Pardon me. But we think sometimes... And we see it across the board. We see it all over uh, the body of Christ. We see oftentimes that people think worship is music. And that music is worship. So it leaves some people out. Because they think, well, I don't sing. I'm not given to singing. I don't really like music. So therefore... I'm just here for the word. And normally we do, you know, the worship portion of the service, what we call the worship portion of the service is usually at the beginning of the service. And so sometimes people kind of treat it like, you know, the, the previews to the movies. <clears throat> I can be there. I cannot be there. doesn't really matter. The main event hasn't started yet because <laughs> I'm here for the word. Really? You'll be fed by the word, absolutely, amen. It's a a great purpose of church is to equip us with the word, amen. No mistaking that. But we've come for an experience with God, amen. His word will be part of that experience, amen. But worship isn't music, and music isn't automatically worship, amen. And so if we can, first of all, take our, our, our brains off of the fact that uh, just because we're singing at the beginning of the service means we're worshiping. We're singing at the beginning of the service to give you an opportunity to worship. You can take it or not take it. Isn't that right? I would suggest you take it. <laughs> when God is. He's looking for true worship. Why is he looking for worshipers? Because he's looking for you to bring him something. Right? So that he can give you something. You don't bring anything. What you get is going to be information. Right? And the word's anointed. And you'll go out a little bit different. I mean, obviously. But your, your best results or your best experience is going to come when you bring him something. And then he gives you living water. You see? And so, when we, if we can think. Wait, well, I'm not thinking about music right now being worship. Music is just a way that we can worship together. It's a way we can do things together. But just because it's music doesn't mean it's automatically worship, and just because we're singing doesn't mean we're automatically worshiping. (laughs) Right? Any more than uh, a conversation we're in with one another you can be in or out of. Isn't that right? Any married people in here? You've all experienced a conversation where one of you, even though you were talking, weren't really present. Right? Come on, that's true. And these are people you love. Right? These are the people you love the most. And you can find yourself just not invested in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it was like, oh, what? What'd you say? What? What? Right? We've all done it. Come on, we can be honest. So you know you've done it to God. <laughs> right? I believe, I believe. I believe, I believe in you. We were singing this morning, right? Through you, I can do anything. I can do all things. Wonderful declarations of faith. Right? I mean, this is an opportunity for us to hook up with the power of God on the inside of us. Through you, I can do anything. Through you, I can do all things. Because it's you who gives me strength. He gives power to the faint, right? And then we say, nothing is impossible. And I'm amazed because I sneak peeked at you. And I was looking around, and it's amazing, with words like that, we're going, through you, I can do anything, I can do all things, 
I believe, I believe. I believe, I believe in you. I believe, I believe. (laughs) And so, and we think, are we invested? Do we know who we're talking to? Jesus said, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask of me and I would give you something. Here we need power and we have the opportunity to go through you. I can do anything. I can do all things. It's you who gives me. We're talking to him. We're not just singing songs about him. These are opportunities to hook up our heart and our mouth. Now we're connecting with God. Hebrews says this. By him, therefore, by Jesus is what it's talking about, because he gave himself as a sacrifice, a one-time sacrifice for our sin. By him, now that we don't have to bring goats and calves, Hebrew says, but now we bring him something else. By him, therefore, we offer, we offer a sacrifice. Anybody know what that sacrifice is that we bring? The sacrifice of praise, yeah? So we're bringing him something. We don't bring an animal, but we still bring something. It's protocol. We don't just bring our bodies. We bring something. We bring praise. We bring it. That means we do it on purpose. We bring praise. And he goes on to say what that praise is, is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen. What is God always looking for from us? Our heart. Amen. And out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. He's always, because of faith, he's looking for not just our heart, but also our mouth, our words. Isn't that right? That's how faith is expressed, through our words. So the same thing is true with worship. It's expressed from your heart with your words. Remember ever telling your kids, use your words. (laughs) They're like, yeah, yeah, use your words. Tell me. Talk to me. That's what God's looking for. Talk to me. Don't just come to listen. Don't just come to hear a word. Talk to me. Bring me something. Bring me something I can use to give you an exchange. Amen. So we bring him words. And you've got to do that on purpose. It doesn't come because they're just on the screen. They've got to come from your heart, right? He said, because God is seeking true worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. So what makes it in spirit and in truth? It's already truth if it's the word. Amen? But if you'll hook up your heart with the words you're already saying. Right? Hook up. Have you ever noticed that, like even at Christmas time, you start to sing a Christmas carol, for example. Christmas carol, you're singing at Christmas time. And um, all of a sudden you hear the words that are coming out of your mouth. You know, these are words that you've sung over and over and over again before. But all of a sudden you're like, wow, those are actually pretty good words. Anybody? You know, it's like I love the, the, the song that we talk about <clears throat> where he's, he's the son of righteousness and he has healing in his wings. And you're like, wow, that's a Christmas carol. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, those are really good words. And it dawns on you that words you've sung all your life. You know, I'm not talking about Frosty the Snowman. I'm talking about, you know, the words about Jesus, right? Emmanuel, God with us and those kind of things that we're realizing we're really announcing and declaring who he is in our lives. Amen. And so even in that case, when we come into church, these are, these are truths, spiritual truths up on the screen. Amen? Giving us an opportunity then to all connect at the same time. And so what we've got to do then is make those, make those words personal. Right? Sometimes, for example, in, your, in relationships with one another, uh, uh, when you say, I love you, it says it all, doesn't it? I love you. And that just, oh, that just means everything. 
And other times, you kind of want to know why. Tell me something I can use, right? <laughs> the beginning of our marriage, Kevin would say that sometimes to me. He goes, why? <laughs> I'd have to come up with something right away, you know. <clears throat> it wasn't hard. Still not hard. But the point is, make it personal. Don't just say, love ya. Right? But why? Meaningful. Let's talk. Let's share what we feel. Right? God's no different. When we say hallelujah, he's like, yeah, why? (laughs) Glory, why? Praise you, why? Are we able to tell him? Are we able to use our words to actually talk to him? Or are we just expecting hallelujah to be our praise? Are we expecting those words to do it for us? If all you got to do is hook your heart up with what your mouth is already saying, you will find you are invested in these words. When he said worship in spirit and in truth, one translation says worship with your heart engaged. Like when you drive your car and it's not, if you're not in gear, you know, it's just going to rev up the engine. It's not going to go anywhere. You get it in gear. You're like, oh, it's engaged. Worship with your spirit in gear. Not just revving up the engine and making noise. But when your heart's invested, all of a sudden those words mean something. Wow. Now we're making a faith connection with him. And then he can pour all kinds of things back into you. He's just looking for the open conduit. He's looking for the open heart. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. By him, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. How do we touch him? We touch him from, with our heart and our words. Now, that is so simple. It's so simple. That's why we bypass it so many times. We just think, oh, well, I, you know, I'm singing the words. But just remember, worship with your heart engaged. That these words mean something to me. And when you're by yourself, you think, remember, it's not just music that makes it worship, so it's not just a song that makes it worship. You can worship God with Scripture. Take a Scripture you love. I, you know, one of our favorites, of course, Philippians 4:19. For my God, but my God is able to, right, to supply all your need according to His riches. He shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Right? Good Scripture. It's true. Right? So we can worship in truth. Sometimes you can just take one word at a time, but it might look like nothing else is going on over here, but, oh, I'm so glad, Lord, that you're not limited by what I can see with my own eyes. And explain what that word means to you. Just talk to him. That's worship. That's worship. I'm so glad, Lord, that no matter what it looks like on my checkbook or no matter what it looks like in the economy or what's going on around the country, but you... But my God, you're my God. You're not just the pastor's God. You're not just uh, 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 Jesse Duplantis' God or Kenneth Copeland's God. You're my God. But my God, you're not my banker. You're my God. You're my Lord. I'm so glad that you're not limited to human knowledge. You're my God. You're my Savior. You're my healer. You have everything. You're my deliverer. You're my God. And I serve you. But my God shall. You shall. You said in your word that there is no shadow of turning with you. If you said it, you'll do it. If you spoke it, you'll make it good. So when you said, my God shall, I know you're good for it. Thank you, God. See how easy it is to worship him. Not with a song, but just from your heart. But my God shall. What's the next word? Supply. Oh, you have an endless supply. Oh, God, I'm so glad you have an endless supply. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. (laughs) You have created everything that I can see. You are God and you shall supply. You have what I need and I believe it. Oh, I worship you, God. Thank you for your endless supply. My God shall supply 
all. All. We could just land on that for a while. All your need according to his. Oh, it's according to your riches. I may have even made mistakes, but your riches in glory. <laughs> your riches in glory. You can get me out of anything. <laughs> By Christ Jesus. Oh, just worship Jesus. Just worship Jesus. Isn't that right? Just see how you, just your heart can get engaged in just a matter of moments. Now you're not just sitting by. Now God's power can flow. Amen. Hallelujah. Could we just lift up our hands even right now? Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, come on, with your mouth right now. With your mouth right now. Offer something up to him, a sacrifice from your heart and your mouth. Glory to God. Just acknowledging.